Hi, and welcome to the Day One Podcast. My name is Simon Moran, and today I'm sitting down with a special guest, Mr. Tanasi. How are you doing today? Doing well. You want to just introduce yourself, give us your last name too, because there's no way I'm going to be able to pronounce it, and uh, kind of what you're up to today. Yeah, Tanasi Panayotakopoulos. Um, it's a good one, 17 letters. No kidding. It's crazy. So he is the CEO of Life Managed. Um, it's a personal finance company, a financial management firm in Phoenix, Arizona. And I wanted to bring him on the show today because I just wanted to talk through a little bit of his experience because he's got a special story uh, about how he ended up where he is today. He played some basketball and things like that. So to get into it, um, tell me a little bit about your childhood, what shaped you during that time and where you grew up. Sure. So born and raised in central Phoenix. Uh, so one of the few residents, I guess we all seem to know each other, but when I see someone, they, fa- they find it strange that I'm born and raised in Phoenix. Right. Um, grew up in North central, went to, uh, Madison Simus, Madison Meadows. So did the public school thing K through eight. Yep. Shared the same experience as you at Brophy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, my childhood, you know, my father, uh, immigrated here from Greece and, uh, so I guess it was shaped towards the financial aspect because I know that he was always doing the grind and wanted to try to grow, you know, and create a legacy here in the States, right? And live the American dream. Right. Um, so so was, how did that story as an immigrant shape you? Like, tell me a little bit about that, how that was for him coming to a country that, you know, he had probably never been to before and probably just decided to move here on a whim. What was that like for him and, and what was the uh, the growth that occurred for your family? Sure. Um, I think, you know, I, he likes to tell me he moved here with like $100 in his pocket, uh, went to a junior college to learn how to speak English wow, yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, went from there to George Washington and transferred day as he came out here and uh drove one of his roommates out in the winter time and just didn't go back you know it was so beautiful here. Oh, yeah? just cool. said i'm just gonna stay in, in arizona and so yeah growing up uh around that was work hard you know and have a goal mm-hmm. and, and that was really the higher the the understanding was you can be in control of your own destiny you should say be the master of your own destiny sure and uh and I think it was, he always said, if you, if you need a dollar to, to live, to change your lifestyle, live on 50 cents. And so it was like always in, ingrained right. to have that habit and then watching the, you know, the CNBC glaring in the morning and seeing him trading. And sure. so it was a very, uh, it was fun to be around and you could tell what kind of mood he was in depending on the daily swings of the market. So did he work in the financial industry then? Or? No, no, actually he was in the restaurant business. Okay. Um, you know, typical Greek, uh, in the restaurant, uh, in the restaurant business. So he owned, uh, two, two restaurants in town, Christo's Restaurante and Alexi's Grill. Okay. Yeah. So that was kind of the nighttime thing. And by day doing the finances. So was that your first daytime job then when it came to, you need to start working? Did you go work in the restaurants then or? You know, it was funny. He never wanted us to work in the restaurant. Really? It was always like, get your education focus on you sure. know learning and having a path because the restaurant business is tough I yeah. mean, right it was work all tough day margins, yeah, you know, tough a lot margins of... labor food costs you're kind of reliant on the environment that you're operating in and it sure. would be coming home late and you know being back there in the morning trying to do inventory and all these things so right. surprisingly the first time i worked there was after college okay yeah 
Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah. tell me a little bit about that experience, maybe in high school or maybe at Meadows. Was there something that inspired you to go into finances or did you have dreams like you went and played basketball? Was that, you know, a dream to go play professional basketball then? Tell us a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, like every child growing up playing hoops, I wanted to be a professional player in the NBA. Sure. And uh, had a lot uh to go against their really height being the main factor. Right. But uh, I was able to follow the dream and play at a professional level to some extent. So I, I cherish that opportunity. It was awesome. Um, but as far as the finance side, I just always enjoyed math. I was always a math guy. Okay. Um, not a language arts or reading comprehension uh, by any means. And, and always relating that to the ability to earn and how things work in compound interest. And uh, that's really where it started. And sure. seeing people around and the lifestyle that they were living and trying to understand how the world works and how people like uh, try to achieve their goals. And where did you go to college then? So I went to University of Northern Colorado okay. in Greeley. And you played basketball there. I did. And then what was the transition like from that to going and playing in Greece? I know how, what was that storyline like for you? Yeah, so I actually got hurt uh, my senior year towards the end, was having a really good season and tore my ACL. Uh, so <clears throat> I was fortunate. Uh, the uh, there's a Greek, This it's called AHEPA. It's the American Hellenic Educational Progressive Association. Okay, mouthful. Big mouthful, yeah. yeah. Like my, so um, they, they try to send Greek Americans playing Division One basketball to Greece to play friendly games with uh, the professional teams and the Greek national practice, team. Yeah, and stuff yeah, like so, that, yeah. So got to do that, kind of battled back and really focused on uh, getting in shape to try right. to play. Probably came back too early, was playing after five months after an ACL tear. Jeez. And uh, I was just discovered there uh, randomly. And so it wasn't even going in, wasn't the mindset I'm going there to get a contract. Right. To play. It so just it was really happened. Lucky. So yeah, it just no, happened. That is pretty cool. Yeah. And, and how often do you go out to Greece then as, as far as travels and stuff like yeah, that? We then? try to go, uh, every other summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, we still enjoy, there's nothing like the luxuries of the United States right. uh, and, and going to California, going to the beaches here. But, sure. uh, yeah, every other summer is what we're trying to do. And is there certain things that your maybe your dad taught you or things that, you know, give you a certain mindset to run your own business today that maybe plays into the Greek heritage or anything like that, that really has, has resonated with you that you, you know, put into practice every single day? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good question. Um, obviously grew up as the son of an entrepreneur. So I think it was always in my blood to be a business owner. Right. And it was, that was the way that you can control, your destiny and make sure that, you know, you're in charge of what you're going to do and in charge of your own success. And so I think that was just part of growing up, seeing him work hard every day and make the sacrifices that he needed in order to, to, to grow the business right. I mean, working in the restaurant. I mean, he was obviously a chef, but he was also cooking, right? There's a lot of chefs, you know, now they're not really cooking. They just are in the back of the, they're the recipe, they're the director. They're, they're the director. You know, that I mean, that's like, you know, so seeing that all day long, he was cook, he was a chef, he was cooking. He was, you know, if he had to come out and do, you know, bus tables, I mean, it was everything. Right. right. And so seeing that just, 
unfold and what he created really was the inspiration to that finally work hard mentality yeah kind I mean, of get up the, every day right, and, the, the and harder, grind the yeah. harder you work the luckier you get right yeah, exactly so so tell me how did the transition from you going to play basketball into the financial world for how did that work for you sure so um it was funny when i was uh, not funny but when i was there it was uh when all of the turmoil like the the financial crisis started going out going on so i was in northern greece in 2008 so right. watching things there and then watching greece kind of you know go through their troubles as, sure. as they did and uh when i moved home i i had met a friend that allowed me to i met her dad her dad was a financial advisor at wells fargo right and so we connected and thought that uh you know i never knew which side i wanted to be on because there's like the portfolio management institutional side right and there is the, the service side yeah, you exactly, know front like, facing with the clients work with yeah. clients and help them with their financial goals and retirement planning right and so connecting with him he thought you know that it would work out so we started together in this and uh learned a lot and then kind of evolved from there right and so now into what you're doing today you started a company called life manage right and um you're running that with um uh with the purpose of kind of taking a newer approach in working with people with their finances so tell us a little bit about how you like to structure the relationship when you're working with people sure so the vision is like if if you think about the evolution of the financial industry financial services you know it was a lot of kind of a, a transaction based relationship, you know, people used to have to, t to look at an ad in the newspaper and buy a stock right. from a stockbroker. And then it's the discount brokers opened and you can just buy them online yourself. And so they had to create value for their clients differently and saying, well, we'll help you achieve your goals. And then at the end it was a product sale again. Right. And then it became more of a financial planner. But I think where it's going is that the good advisors are really in getting ingrained in every aspect of people's financial lives. Sure. Kind of like a life manager saying, you know, tell me what, what money means to you. What is it about money that's important to you? And let's figure out how much income do you need to earn so that you can accomplish your goals and what should the savings rate be? And so really getting into like operating like a business, right? right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, what's your monthly burn? Sure. What are you bringing in? And how can we best make that money work for you to achieve your goals, whether it's, I want to buy a second home or I want to buy my first home, or I want to travel every year for $10,000 budget on top of paying for my kid's education. And if I have a, a daughter, do I want to pay for her wedding? Right. It's like starting that out now really gives people the jump. So what do you think when you're, when you're working with people, what is one of the biggest hurdles that you or impasses that you come to with, uh, working with individuals with their finances? Is it, is it emotions? Is it, you know, different things about money? What is that usually? Yeah, no, that, <clears throat> I mean, you hit it right there. It's emotions, it's behavior. It's kind of the, the consumer mentality, right? It's, it's we're not designed to not spend money. Right. Right. And, uh, so I, I try not to tell people how to spend their money, but in having conversations, I really can understand what they value. And hopefully, you know, we, we attempt to make sure that their spending is in line with what they value. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe it's just a reallocation of where am I trying to go and what's my purpose? What am I trying to do? And so that way, and, and really, yeah, it is the emotions. It's like having conversations about, Hey, you know, it's probably not realistic at the pace of which you're going with like, just mathematically speaking, 
you can't achieve these goals without doing anything proactively to save and grow and right. compound your wealth. And sure. no one's going to take care of this for you. You know, if you're, we, we're not in the age where you work for a company and you just have this pension at the end, you did your 30, 40 years right. and now you're taken care of. Right. Sure. And, and I think too, like when people are coming to work with you, the expectation should be is they're meeting with you to have a plan put in place right. that aligns with their goals and their aspirations and their desires and not necessarily, you know, unrealistic, you know, items that they end up, you know, putting towards their, you know, when they're working with you, it ends up that, uh, you know, the emotions get involved and, and things like that. And they really should be looking to you as an advisor and not really fighting against that. Um, what is the experience um, when you get a new client in? What is the first thing that you do with them to kind of overview their uh, their case and work through things? Sure. So, I mean, everything is is a conversation relating to what they're trying to accomplish. Everything is goals based, objective based. Um, there's really no investment uh, conversation until the very end. Right. Uh, the investment's really just a product of what they're trying to achieve. Right. Sure. Uh, so it's really understanding at a deeper level, you know, what are you working for? You know, are you, do you want to just sacrifice as much as possible? Are you working so that you can just quit? Like, do you want to just retire early? Are you working because you enjoy working, but you want to also get to the point where work is optional. And if you get sick or hurt and you no longer can work, so you're alive, but unhealthy, you know, to protect your family, right. are you working to create a legacy? So really trying to understand those motivations for people, um, would be the first step. And then it's okay. After understanding what it is that they're trying to achieve, then it always starts with, um, like a cash flow analysis, you know, what are you bringing in and what are you spending? Sure. And then, are, you know, hopefully you're operating in a surplus <laughs> and, and, and it's really just kind of like a financial order of operations from there. Where, what do you do first? What bucket do you fill and why does each bucket and how does it fill into your long-term goals in a tax efficient, you know, manner for you? Right. And it's crazy how many people just don't even budget or, you know, do simple cash flow analysis you yeah. know, to, to understand where their money's actually going. Cause it comes through the door and then the next minute it's gone. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah. and, and you work with a range of clientele, but tell us maybe for, you know, selfishly people that are my age or, you know, the millennial market, what are the things that they should be looking towards when they're starting a plan or, you know, starting to save or starting to get into these, you know, retirement investment accounts, because it's not really managed too well by the employers nowadays, like you mentioned. Yeah. So, um, the word budget, like people don't like budget. It's like a spending plan because we plan <laughs> to spend money, sure. you know? Um, but no, the, the, I mean, if you're just starting out, I think the most important thing is understanding your employer benefits, uh, because there's, I don't remember the statistic, but I think there's like 35, 40% of people don't even take advantage of their employer match to their 401k. Right. I mean, that's almost like a no brainer. <laughs> people say, what stock should I buy? And you know, like apps like Robinhood are great because it gets people investing, but they're like wanting to put 500 bucks or 900 bucks into Snapchat stock because right. they yeah. think it'll double, yeah. but they've got this tool, this vehicle where if they put four percent you know and they're making sixty thousand a year if they put twenty four hundred dollars in they're going to get matched twenty four hundred dollars right that's a hundred percent return on your money you know so it's like that's kind of the one most no-brainer sure if i could tell anyone starting out 
And then, so going from that initial stage of making an investment, what sort of commitments should someone expect to make to stay consistent and to really grow their money? Because unfortunately, in today's day and age, when it comes to people my age, it's like, just like you said, how can I double my money or where can that extreme growth come from? And what a lot of people don't understand, it, it, that just doesn't really happen, right? No, yeah, exactly. I think um, at the end of the day, all of the great things take time mm -hmm. and discipline and patience. And uh, there is no quick, there's no quick fix in this. Right. It's really trying to create a pattern and, and have a behavior that is aligned with what you say, what you say that you want to achieve. Right. And so it's little things, little by little, it's focusing on what you can control. And ultimately the things that are in our control are, is our income, uh, our savings rate, our taxes, like how things that we can do to have better tax treatment today sure. and in the future. And then it's our behavior around our investments. You know, one of the biggest issues that people have is in investing is emotional. Right. And so I think that one of the biggest contributing factors of a, of a financial advisor or a planner is the behavior around their investments. I feel sometimes, you know, our job is to be a behavioral investment counselor to keep you in the market when times are tough and remind you of those goals. Right. Yeah. And, and we've talked before about how you're kind of building this group up to, you know, have it be a one stop shop experience of really taking care of someone's in, you know, fully encompass life when it comes to their finances or different aspects. So tell us a little bit about what you're building on the side of, you know, the estate and the taxes and, and how, the, you know, the, the treatment that you're really going to experience in coming to life managed. Yeah, that's uh, that. So the vision is uh, so there's models now, you know, they call them a family office. Someone will hire a lot of these people are professionals to run their life, right? Right. They have the investment guy. They've got a CPA or an accountant. Uh, they've got an attorney that can maybe put entities together and, uh, and work on the estate planning, sure. healthcare directives, will trusts. Um, they've got someone that's well-versed on the insurance side. Um, and then they have, uh, the, some of, some of them might even have someone like a psychologist or someone that is equipped to talk about generational wealth. Um, so the, the vision is to build something similar that is an all inclusive deal for this next generation of wealth. Right. Um, I mean, all the, the, our age, you know, we're going to be, there's going to be a massive transition of money Yeah. and there's a lot of people that are not prepared for that. Um, and so, I'd like to have it where someone knows that they have one point of contact, one point of contact for their plan, their investments, their taxes, their trust documents, and know that everyone's working in tandem. Right. Because, uh, uh, you know, a lot of advisors will try to be the quarterback of the, you know, the financial plan. But at the end of the day, you have a lot of people that you need to coordinate schedules with and communicate with regularly. And you know, calling someone and not getting the most timely advice and still having all these firms that are not aligned on the same client. Right. It, it gets tough. And it, it can get overwhelming, especially when you have life events that happen that, you know, there's a death in the family yep. or, you know, you know, the market's dropping or just all these different things that if you have to go talk to six different people in six different offices and one of them's on vacation playing sure. golf or, you know, yeah. doing this or that, it becomes tough. So I, I really think that the model that you're 
approaching is is really useful and i think it makes sense for you know people that are our age you know coming into that wealth to you know really you know start to plan and and have the concept of what they need to do over the next 40 50 years to really save money and grow it because the other thing is is that we're starting to live longer too that is true so it's like how do you live for 35 years without an income right you have to plan so and you have to plan for you know the first 65 years of your life in order to make that happen so i really appreciate you coming on today tell us a little bit about how we can or how the audience can connect with you or reach out to you and and maybe check out your company yeah sure um so i'm trying to you know like all the the young millennials and trying to get more into the social media so i've been starting to blog and share my thoughts a little bit yep. so if you go to my website lifemanaged.com uh, you can go to the blog and subscribe. So that'd be one way to start following and seeing my thoughts. Um, I also am on Instagram, life managed underscore, uh, trying to put, you know, one or two things out a day about what's going on and the way to look at different life events and how, you know, things that are relatable. Sure. You know, one of them was like talking about, you know, you and I were talking about getting in shape and it's at the end of the day, it's, right. it's, a, it's a very similar thing. Definitely. Like it, you know, if you look at the scale every day, like you're not going to get the, you're not going to see any any change you know drive yourself nuts right you Same can thing do with the your juice cleanse you'll yeah. lose the 20 pounds but then you know you're going to gain it right back exactly. and it's the same thing with finances yeah. you know yeah. that you can put it into a stock it could shoot up and then it could go down exactly. the next day so or you get out at the right time or yeah. wrong time or whatever yeah. so but uh is, is there anything else that you like to add as far as um, people reaching out then or no i mean i think uh you know i'm open if anyone wants to email or have a, have a conversation i give uh free advice all the time you know as much as i can help and if it's kind of a one-off question if anyone had an issue i'd be happy to help sure and we'll link link all his information in the bio and everything like that so you can click on there or you can reach out to me and I can connect you as well. So I really appreciate you coming on the day one podcast today, Danasi. Yeah, thank you. Thanks yep. for hosting me. Yeah.